Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yes. 71.12%. The war was over. The Good Friday Agreement had been signed. There should have been peace. No more shooting, no more killing. But Andrew Kearney was murdered by the IRA in July 1998. They dragged him out of the flat into the lift, shot him in both legs and left him lying there, bleeding to death. to death after the gang had ripped out a phone. Police say the attack was carried out by paramilitaries, but it wasn't sectarian. It's been claimed the IRA was behind the murder. The Sinn Féin assemblyman, Jerry Kelly, said Mr Kearney should not have been killed. Two weeks before his death, he'd clashed with the IRA's North Belfast commander in a bar on the Falls Road. The MC stood up to Andrew and he said to him, do you know who you're dealing with? And Andrew said, I don't give a who I'm dealing with. Get him one dig, knocked him out, and that was the end of it as far as Andrew was concerned. That was a public humiliation the IRA commander would not tolerate. A friend of his had went to him and said to him, what are you doing here? Get you offside. You're to be shot in sight. An IRA punishment squad broke into Andrew's flat in the New Lodge, where he was cradling his 19-day-old baby daughter. The gang snatched the baby from his arms, ripped the phone out and jammed the lift to delay paramedics. Andrew was then shot three times in the legs. They went out to do the maximum damage, we were told. He bled to death from his injuries. Nobody has ever been charged over his death. The dogs on the street were barking the next day. The names of the people that shot Andrew. Every one of them knew who shot Andrew. I spoke to Andrew's sister Eleanor and his daughter Caitlin about the murder and their campaign for justice. Eleanor, there was a key incident in a bar in the Falls Road two weeks before Andrew's murder. Can you tell me what happened? Well, it started off with... um, They were in um, the Red Devil and and the Falls Road. It was a a United Man United bar. And they had went in for just for a few pints. And whenever they were there, there was some sort of altercation happened with... We'll call him the the OC of the the um, North Belfast, and that's the IRA commander. That's the I- IRA commander in North Belfast, and he was there with a crowd of his own followers, should we say? And when it, the, there was a, a young lad in among the, the, the company, 
who was only about 17, 18, and whatever happened during the course of, of them being in the bar, there was an altercation started with the commander and the young lad. So Andrew had jumped up and said to him, uh, for Christ's sake, picking somebody your own age, that's, that's a kid. And the OC stood up to Andrew and he said to him, do you know who you're dealing with? And Andrew said to him, I don't give a shit who I'm dealing with. It Knock it on the head, he's only a, a, a young lad. So things settled down. I think about 15, 20 minutes passed and things seemed to be okay until it started again. And this commander from Mardoin, he basically started on the young lad again. And whenever he started on him, the, the chums just told us afterwards that there was no holding him back. He just leapt over chairs and tables. Andrew. And he, Andrew did. And got to your man, gave him one dig, knocked him out, and that was the end of it as far as Andrew was concerned. But when all your man's friends and followers got him to his feet, there was a lot of shouting and yelling about the place, warning Andrew, you're a dead man walking. You, you've done it now, you know. There's no going back from this, you know, watch your back. So from that day, Andrew went out of that bar that day knowing that he had something hanging over him. He didn't know exactly what, but he, he said that he had been talking to people. He, whenever he had went into the bookies, somebody that had been a friend of his had went to him and said to him, what are you doing here? Get you offside. You're a dead man walking. You're to be shot in sight. And Andrew was going before, and they, they mentioned your man's name and, and knew all about the altercation in the, the bar and basically told him to get offside. So there was a sense of dread in the days leading up to Andrew's yeah. murder? Yeah. For the last two weeks particularly of his life, he lived every day in dread. He was tormented with what was going to happen. And he actually told my mummy... Um, they're going to do me right, Mummy. This isn't going to be a knee captain. When they do me, they're going to do me right. You were a Republican family. We were very Republican family, yes. We had a lot of faith in the IRA and Sinn Féin. And as someone from a Republican family, Andrew wouldn't have dreamed of going to the RUC to... Oh, God, no. You'd be signing your own death warrant there anyway if you went to the RUC and reported anybody for threatening you or whatever. You couldn't live in a Catholic area again after that. In those days, it was just an impossible thing to do. Nobody would even, wouldn't enter their head. Tell me what happened on the night of his murder, Eleanor. Andrew had been up on the, the eighth floor which has two flights of stairs up to every floor. And from what we have gathered, there was at least four went into the flat. There was two more out on the landing. And then periodically throughout the, the rest of the part of the flats, there was people at each level, sort of on the way down the stairs, there was ones at each level. And in total, we've been told it was 13, including women that were there. And... The four went in, they bust into the flat. Andrew was lying on the settee where Lisa had just went to bed. Caitlin was lying 
on top of his chest and whenever they burst in they grabbed the baby off his chest and we believe that's when the chloroformed him because Lisa had told us afterwards that whenever he was going past her as they were taking him out he was lower down it, the two of them had him under their um, that were dragging him by his under his shoulders and his head was down lower than theirs now Andrew was about six foot tall if he had been walking he would have been of either equal height to them or maybe taller but Lisa said his head was down as if he was being dragged and we believe that they had already been chloroformed at that stage so well, they took him out in then to the lift out in the hallway and that's where they shot him they shot him twice in the knees and once in the ankle before they left the flat there was one of them in particular he actually pulled the, the telephone out of the wall but in those days it was like a wee adapter on the end of the phone wires that you could plug back into the wall again so after they actually shot Andrew, they left him in the in the lift, and they must have known by that stage that hidden artery that they shot him with a forty-five, which is a big caliber uh, gun and, and bullet, and he was bleeding profusely, and they would have known that the hidden artery. But they went back into the flat and they actually pulled this adapter off the end of the wires so that the, pl- the plug couldn't be put back in to attach it to the wall. So when Lisa heard the shots, and she, by the time she ran out to him, she heard him calling her name, and she tried to talk to him, but I think by then he was starting to... I don't know whether it was with the effects of the blood loss or maybe the chloroform or whatever, but Lisa told him she would get help, and she started banging on all the doors. And at that stage, she had Caitlin in her arms. Nobody would open their door. She started running down the stairs then, and she was stopping at every floor and banging on doors, and still nobody would answer. And it was only whenever she then got down and run over. Her cousin lived in the next block of flats, and she ran to her cousins, knowing they had a phone, that they could phone for an ambulance. The detectives told us afterwards that the lift had been jammed, so paramedics couldn't get to him. So they had to literally walk up all the flights of stairs to get to him, to to render some aid to him. The IRA usually used point thirty eight. That's right. In punishment attacks, but they didn't. They went for a much higher calibre weapon. Absolutely. They went out to do the maximum damage, we were told. They knew they were going to hit an artery with a a calibre of that size. So you don't believe that it was a punishment shouldn't no. gone wrong? You think the IRA set out to murder? Absolutely. 100%. He suffered too much beforehand. He had been told what to expect. He was told he was a dead man walking. It wasn't anything like, you're going to get kneecapped, which is what we had heard many times in the past in Twinbrook. The common knowledge in all the, all the, the Republican areas who was getting kneecapped or who was in danger of being kneecapped. But in Andrew's case... It wasn't kneecapping was never mentioned. It was always that he was that he was a dead man walking. Tell me about the IRA commander that Andrew had fought with two weeks before, who arranged his murder. 
we didn't know of him at the time. We only found out afterwards that he was a sadistic and barbaric and should never have been allowed to hold the position that he did. From what we know now is this commander was like a god given right to do what he wanted and he had the people of Ardoin and North Belfast terrorised and I, I actually fought with the IRA that I ever met afterwards and said to them this isn't the IRA my granda fought for or that my uncle Jerry was interned for this isn't republicanism this is just people doing these things for their own egos and what they want to do he had an alibi for the night he of Andre's murder. Yeah. He was seen in a nightclub in Ardoyne, but we now know that the team that he did send out were close friends of his, um, right to the OC of the Belfast Brigade, who sanctioned Andrew's shooting, as we were told, Jack Davidson. He was he is a close friend of this boyo. And then the team that went out to shoot Andrew, the kneecapping team, they're all personal friends of this commander. So in in our opinion, they, he sent them out to do his bidding and he had his alibi lined up because he knew that he could be fingered for it after what happened two weeks previously. So he sent them out with the weapon, the high-calibre gun, the high-calibre um, ammunition, to do the maximum damage and then to block the lift, not to phone an ambulance, to disable the phone in the flat. Everything was done to stop medical aid getting to Andrew. He's still walking about, Eleanor. He is. He's never been charged with Andrew's murder. How does that make you feel? Very, very angry and very, very suspicious. I personally feel he is being protected in some shape or form. We can't understand how he is getting away, not only with Andrew's murder, but we know of other people's, pardon me, we know of other people's attacks and the way he has ruled with an iron rod in North Belfast. How has he been able to get away with all of these things and never faced any consequences. Your mother did media interviews hours after Andrew was murdered, accusing the IRA of killing him. And you were then contacted by Jerry Adams. He visited your family home. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. At that stage, my mummy she had loved Jerry Adams and as I say we had all been Sinn Féin supporters and had voted Sinn Féin for years so basically whenever he wanted to come and speak to her I think we were all under the impression that he was going to wave a magic wand and everything was going to be okay I know we were naive because nothing was ever going to bring Andrew back but at that stage we wanted to hear what he had to say so when he came up um, my mummy welcomed him and basically the two of them sat in the settee and Adams asked her, what do you want from this morning? She says, I want justice. I want them handed over for the courts to deal with. 
He said that they wouldn't hand them over, but that they would be stood down. This commander had already been stood down, and the other ones that were involved were all going to be disciplined, including this commander, although they were all going to be disciplined internally. So Mungi asked what form of discipline this was going to take, and he couldn't tell her. He said that was within their internal structure, basically, that, that they would deal with it. So she left it in his hands, basically because she had no other choice. He wasn't offering anything else, really. So from that, within days, we heard that this commander had disappeared from where he was living. And then we were told he had been shipped off to America and told to lie low for as long as it took. And he was actually away in America for months before he came back again. But in our eyes, we think that they just wrapped them over the knuckles and have probably said to them, lie low until this all blows over. And they thought it was going to be like probably every other murder in Northern Ireland, that we were just going to roll over and lie down. But they didn't know us because we, none of us will ever give up the search for justice and we'll never let them forget that we're going to be a thorn in their side. There were two IRA investigations, Eleanor. The first one was immediately after Andrew's murder. Yep. Can you tell me what happened? Um, well, there was two investigators who got my mummy and my older brother, Joe, and they basically went to my mummy and Joe and asked them what they wanted. And my mummy said she wanted to know who authorised Andrew's shooting or Andrew's murder, um, who uh, was responsible for it and what discipline they were going to have because she'd already been told they were going to be disciplined. They told her then, um, give her the answers to all her questions as much as they were allowed to. They wouldn't tell her who the actual shooter was or anything of that nature. But they told her as much as they could tell her. And at the end of it, she just looked at them and she says, thank you very much for coming. I appreciate it. You've done what you had to do. Now I'm going to do what I need to do. Your mother then set about becoming a thorn in the side of Sinn Féin and yep. IRA. Um, she went to Conley House, Sinn Féin headquarters in Anderson'stown, and presented them with a bill for Andrew's funeral. She did. Whenever she got the bill out that day, she just took it on her head, drove to Conley House and went in. So the office was quite packed, and Mummy went in and she handed the bill to the girl and she says, don't know who that has to go to, but would you pass it to whoever needs to sort that out? And the girls looked at her and says, what is it, Mrs Kearney? They obviously knew who she was from being on TV and all. And she says, that's the bill for my son's funeral. She says, you shot him, so now you can pay to bury him. And they just looked at her and one said to the other, what do we do with this? And the other one said, I don't know, never happened before. And my mummy says, well, I'll wait here until somebody comes in to, to see who's going to sort it. And she planked herself down and sat for hours. So she, she just said that she just wanted them to take responsibility. 
in some shape or form and that even wasn't for the sake of the money it was the fact that she wanted them to pay for the bill to for, so that they were going to acknowledge that they killed him because at that stage they still hadn't acknowledged that it was their doing Sinn Féin MLA Jerry Kelly said in TV interviews afterwards that he didn't know who was responsible for Andrew's murder well, I don't know who was responsible, and uh, whoever was responsible, my position would be the same, that uh, it, it is a, a terrible killing and it should not have happened. What's your response to that? Nonsense. Complete and utter nonsense. The dogs in the street were barking the next day, the names of the people that, that shot Andrew, every one of them. And everybody in North Belfast, where Jerry Kelly was from, in particular, knew who shot Andrew. They knew who shot Andrew and, and who was responsible. And they knew themselves that it was sanctioned. They had admitted to us that it was sanctioned. So how they can say, in one hand, that it's sanctioned and told us that it was sanctioned by the OC of the Belfast Brigade, and then in the next breath, to say they didn't know who shot him, How, how did your mummy respond personally to Andrew's death? I have never seen anybody up to that point or since that day that took a death so bad. She just gave up living. And the only thing that mattered to her was Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Your mummy died just over a year after yeah. Andrew's murder. Uh-huh. She had had health problems to begin with that's right but his murder took a terrible oh, it toll took a terrible toll on her health um, up till Andrew's murder she actually went to Lourdes every year, year and she was fine yes she had health problems but nothing that she couldn't deal with then whenever Andrew was killed she went downhill badly and six weeks before your mother died Eleanor she had gone to Westminster to try and raise awareness about Andrew's murder not took a lot out of her. It did. She went to Westminster and she brought Andrew's photograph with her and she stood on the steps of Westminster and telling anybody any MP that walked past her or anybody that would listen she was putting Andrew's photograph up and telling them all about Andrew and she was there that long that they actually came out and brought her into Westminster and made her sit down and she had a whole lot of them round her and she told them all their their story. Was your mummy a victim of the IRA as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we actually say my daddy was too because when my mummy died, we didn't realise my daddy was already suffering from Alzheimer's. But my mummy obviously had covered for him. So with one fell swoop of what they'd done to Andrew, they took my mummy and my daddy away as well. On the 10th anniversary of Andrew's murder in 2008, you were contacted again by the Republican movement and a second IRA investigation was set up. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. I had to go along and meet Jerry Adams and during that conversation with him, he offered to do another investigation. So I got a phone call then from his secretary and she told us where to go to on a certain day 
and we went to Clannard Monastery and they then brought us from there to a house nearby and there was two IRA men and I gave them I think it was about 10, 12 questions that I wanted answers to. So about a week or two later I got another call and it was deranged to meet up with them again and met up and from the minute they started talking I knew that it was going to be lies and fabrications and when they got to the the point about um, what happened in the Red Devil Bar and this guy, this commander and they, they just stopped me and said well he had nothing to do with Andrew's murder he there was nothing at all about that incident that instigated Andrew's shooting. That they told me that it was a shooting that went wrong, that it was a kneecapping, and that was basically it. So I said to him, Well, if that's the case, then when Jerry Adams came to my mummy shortly after Andrew was killed, right after Andrew was killed, and said that this commander had been stood down and was going to be internally disciplined. What was that all about if he had nothing to do with it? Surely Jerry Adams done his homework before he, he said that. Well, we can't speak for Jerry Adams. We just know that this bloke had nothing to do with Andrew's shooting or Andrew's murder. And at that stage, I stood up and I says, I've heard enough. And I turned and I walked out. And I've just since had the thing, why have any dealings with them? They've obviously been told what to say. And we're supposed to accept it. But we'll never accept it. We'll never accept anything other than the truth. And the truth is stirring everybody, not just us, but people, strangers tell me that it's stirring them in the face who was responsible for Andrew's murder. Your family had a lot of faith in Sinn Féin and in the IRA to investigate Andrew's murder Mm -hmm. and to try to resolve it and deliver justice do you think that faith was misplaced? Absolutely we were so full of hope Um, especially I think even the second investigation I was very full of hope in the sense that I was thinking that all this time has passed, the pressure has come off them because of the you know, after Andrew was killed it was all about the Good Friday Agreement crumbling because of Andrew's murder and everybody was calling, all the unionists were calling for the, for Sinn Féin to be excluded from the peace talks. And my mummy went on TV and called newspapers to the house to state that she didn't want them put out of the talks. If my mummy hadn't have done that, they would have most likely been put out of the talks at that stage. To me, they were. They were big time. On the 25th anniversary of Andrew's murder, what would you like to see now from Sinn Féin and from the IRA? I would like to think that after 25 years, they could come forward and publicly admit that they were the ones that were responsible for shooting Andrew. I'm not expecting them to hand over anybody at this stage. Yes, I would love it, but I know being realistic, it's never going to happen. But the very fact that they admit to what they've done and acknowledge that Andrew should never have been shot. They came to me 
personally, they came to my mummy and my brother, and all of them offered Jerry Adams. Jerry Adams offered me an apology from the top of the Republican movement that Andrew should never have been shot. So why can't they do it publicly? We will never be able to say we have closure because we've still lost Andrew and we'll never get him back again. We'll never get that family connection back again. But just to know that he's not being swept under the carpet by Sinn Féin, by the IRA and them ones that were involved walking about thinking that we're just going to lie down and take it. We need an apology. We need them to admit what they've done. And we need, for my mummy's memory, and for me to fulfil my promise to my mummy, that we would get something, some form of justice. Sinn Féin is led by two women. Yeah. Mary Lou MacDonald in the south and Michelle O'Neill in the north. Mm -hmm. Do you think they should pause and look at this and listen to the women in the Kearney family? Absolutely. For Mary Lou MacDonald and Michelle O'Neill, as women, as mothers, for them to look at their children and think how they would feel if somebody from the Republican movement, from our own side, came and took one of them away from them in the way our Andrew was taken from us, would they expect an apology? Would they expect for this to be put right? In my opinion, they should. As women, I think we, as women of Ireland, are entitled to it. During this interview, sitting beside Eleanor was the then 19-day-old daughter, Caitlin, who'd been grabbed from Andrew's arms. Caitlin, you were a two-week-old baby sleeping on your father's chest when the IRA burst through the door dragged him out and shot him. Looking back now, 25 years on, what do you think of what happened that night? It's absolutely scandalous, you know. It's heartbreaking. Back then, I was only a baby, so, you know, I didn't understand anything. But obviously, the older I've got, then the more questions I have, because I knew, I knew my whole life, you know, that something happened to my daddy. For those men to burst into a flat and to take away your daddy, to, to see that he had a, a child that was mm-hmm. 19, 19 days old, mm-hmm. what type of men do you think they are? Is there even a word to describe them? Lowest of the lows. don't even think I can say the word <laughs> on recording. It's hard to live for themselves, I don't know. It's disgusting. It's hard. What would you like Sinn Féin and the IRA to do on the 25th anniversary of his murder? Just come forward. We need a bit of justice. Everyone knows what happened. Everyone knows he was involved. Justice is all our family wants and they definitely deserve it. 
do you think the person responsible will ever be brought before the courts? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Don't think so. No, it's been on too long and don't know what he's doing, but he's getting away with it. I'm walking with his head held high. Would you have a message for him? Yeah, card. That's all he is. That's all he is. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Suzanne Breen, and Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from RTE, BBC, and UTV. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.